Let's get the music going. Here are the Cambridge singers and Joy to the World. singers with John Rutter's arrangement of Joy to the World. Here is Clifford Hughes and Child in a Manger. Gentle and lonely, live 
Clifford Hughes with Child in a Manger. That's one of the few Christmas songs originating in Scotland. It comes from the Isle of Mull. It's the tune of Morning Has Broken, but Mull had it first. Now David will tell us what Malcolm Gait has for us this morning. Malcolm Gait has collected an anthology of poems to be read during Advent as a preparation for Christmas. Today we hear Malcolm reading a poem by G.K. Chesterton, where he thinks of God as being a servant of the world. After the poem, there is some music to allow for some thinking time. The tune is Vaughan Williams' arrangement of a traditional English country song, which accompanies Horatius Bonner's hymn, I Heard the Voice of Jesus Say. The tune is called Kingsfold in the hymn book. Now over to Malcolm Geit. The poem set for the 6th of December in my anthology, Waiting on the Word, is an extract from G.K. Chesterton's Ballad of the White Horse. In this place in the ballad, King Alfred has been taken for a serving man and is looking after the cakes by the fire and he suddenly reflects that God himself, the true king, is also a servant. And well may God with serving folk cast in his dreadful lot. Is not he too a servant and is not he forgot? For was not God my gardener and silent like a slave that opened oaks on the uplands or thicket in graveyard gave? And was not God my armourer, all patient and unpaid, that sealed my skull as a helmet and ribs for hauberk made? Did not a great grey servant of all my sires and me build this pavilion of the pines and herd the fowls and fill the vines and labour and pass and leave no signs save mercy and mystery? For God is a great servant and rose before the day from some primordial slumber torn, but all we living later born sleep on and rise after the morn, and the Lord has gone away. On things half sprung from sleeping, all sleeping suns have shone. They stretch stiff arms, the yawning trees, the beasts blink upon hands and knees, man is awake and does and sees, but heaven has done and gone. For who shall guess the good riddle, or speak of the holiest, save in faint figures and failing words, who loves, yet laughs among the swords, labours, and is at rest? But some see God like Guthrum, crowned with a great beard curled. But I see God like a good giant that labouring lifts the world.
Gite, and that was followed by Kingsfold, a traditional English tune arranged by Ray Vaughan Williams. Well, let's get back to music again, and here is Joanne Hogg, and the song is I Wonder As I Wander. I wonder as I Joanne Hogg with a song which comes to us from America it was I Wonder As I Wander now it's over to you David Ernie Ray hosts a series called Beyond Belief where he talks to representatives of different faiths about important topics today he's focusing on debt and he talks to someone who fell into debt through no fault of their own Paula Stringer is the Chief Executive Officer of Christians Against Poverty. She joined the organisation after a hugely successful career working for BBC Sport. She knows what it's like to fall into debt. I began by asking her about the business she set up with her husband. 
Toast was a deli coffee shop and restaurant that my husband and I opened and ran for for many years in our local town of Marple. And it was so successful that we actually went from packing out a a smaller premises to expanding into a much larger premises. And we'd gone to the bank and they basically said, you know, we love your business. Yes, we support you and moved into a larger premises just around the corner. And for the first year, everything went to plan. And although we did know that we were going to be tight financially for the first three years, we didn't think that we had very much to worry about. Unfortunately, we were we were wrong um, because what we didn't know was that there was um, a recession lurking just around the corner that would certainly hit the high street and also that Costa Coffee would open up around the corner. And those two things combined hit our business at a very, very critical time. And within nine months, our business ended up just collapsing. What was the personal impact on you and your husband? It was so much more significant and impactful than either of us would have ever believed. We had to let our beautiful staff go and that in itself was traumatic because we were like a family, lots of smaller local businesses are. And it particularly impacted my husband. Um, I wasn't working at the deli. I had another job, thankfully, but my husband was the one that ran Toast and he took it very, very personally and felt that this was his fault. It wasn't. It was circumstantial and he had tried everything he could to sustain that business and couldn't. Um, He ended up basically not being able to work for a whole year because he had significant mental health issues. He basically had a breakdown after that happened. He couldn't even visit our local village um, and go into town. We had friends that had been local suppliers who we owed money to turning into very angry people understandably in some ways banging on our door wanting money from us that we just didn't have and the impacts ultimately for my husband um, was that that he ended up um, suicidal. The amount of shame and guilt and humiliation and all of the negative feelings really that you can imagine are weighing upon you and and you want to hide you want to run away and we felt like we got nowhere to go and yet you had a support network you had a very close family uh, you had a faith very important and there are lots of people who in your similar situation who have none of those things you're absolutely right About a year after we started to come out of it and we'd started to talk about the impact that it had actually had on us as a family. Um, Now, we still had an income coming in and we had, as you said, we had um, a church friendship network of faith that that God would work all things together for good ultimately um, and a family around us that loved us. And yet we still found it almost impossibly difficult It came very close to to pulling our family apart. If it affected us like that, when we had so much, then how does anybody ever go through something as significant as bankruptcy, which we did in the end? You know, it was very, very difficult. Now, you've recently changed jobs in the last couple of years. You're now Chief Executive Officer of Christians Against Poverty. What are your clients experiencing now in this time of covid Oh, well, we survey our clients quite regularly so that we can 
stay up to date on what is happening in their lives and then report that back, if you like, to the government and to speak their stories out. Um, the, the biggest issue that most of them have is actually massively low income. Many are living on reduced wages or they've been on zero hours contracts and they weren't covered by furlough. And many are still waiting, you know, five weeks on for the universal credit to kick in. For many households, benefits simply aren't enough to live on. Are you in a tricky position running a charity? But politically, obviously, you you have views. And and, and I wonder, does that put you in a very delicate situation? Uh, How free are you to express political views? I believe that Christians Against Poverty are here to present the facts and not to point the finger in any way. And we do this best through actually telling real-life stories. I believe charities absolutely, even you know, single-faith-based charities, have a role to speak into policy change and to represent those who may be overlooked and forgotten. That was Paula Stringer. Uh, David, she's a very resilient, bubbly personality, and yet listening to her, you can sense the pain and distress she went through. Indeed, I think it shows how, how debt isn't something that happens to people who badly mismanage, who, who are flagrant, who, who are prone to, to particular forms of self-abusive or addictive behaviour. Debt is something that can happen to, to you know, the best of people who've, who've planned. They've done all the things right, as she had with her husband, with their business. All the business plans and projections were there. And yet circumstances contrive to, to lead them to bankruptcy and all the, the suffering that, that that brought for their family. Jasper, she hinted at a sense of shame and the reluctance to talk about that. Do you identify with that? Shame is something which is prevalent within South Asian communities. There's a, a real idea of having to maintain one's respect or reputation within the community. And the Sikh faith is very deeply grounded in its uh, South Asian heritage and identity. Uh, as such, amongst the Sikh community, you can find that many people are ashamed of the fact that they've fallen into debt. They may not talk to their family members about it. They may not want their friends knowing about just what dire circumstances they find themselves in. Mohammed, how did you respond to Paul's interview? Yes, it's certainly a, a very sad and, and perhaps not that uncommon a story. There's clearly a, a very difficult relationship between the, the haves and the haves not at play here. The bank will always, of course, ask back for its principal plus interest payments, regardless of whether your business is going well or not. That's, of course, why Islam uh, condemns, of course, uh, the idea of of interest. Um, Loans should be generally of charitable nature. If you want to do business together, then let's do this as partners, where you can share the profits and the losses, depending on how well the business is going. Annie Ray and friends with Paula Stringer. And I'll give you the phone number that Angela Hanvey left with us last week. It's the phone number for Christians Against Poverty, it's 0800 328 0006. That's the three zeros there before the six at the end. 0800 328 0006. Now, it's the tune of Lydia and it's Maddie Pryor singing While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks by Night. <laughs>
lovely tune there for While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks by Night, and that was Maddy Pryor. And we'll now go back to David for our next item. Larry Gentis has produced a series of talks where he imagines himself to be a Bible character. Today, he and his wife Judy are the innkeeper and his wife in Bethlehem at the time of the Roman census. So, Mr. and Mrs. Cohen, thanks for choosing to stay with us. You're, you're in room 11 at the end of the hallway and we serve breakfast between 9 and 11. If you wish to bath, our servants are at your disposal. Oh, oh, there you are. How did everything go? Did you get everything we need? This place is completely full up. Huh. I had to do some hardcore shopping to get everything, but I got it. Oh, good. Eggs. Eggs were really hard to come by because of the cold weather that we're having right now. And I had to do some serious shouting to get the launderers to give us the sheets that we gave them to wash. The way business is going, I wish the Romans would have a census every year. If they did that, we'd be able to sell the inn and retire in a few years with all the money we're making. <laughs> that would be great, if we survived it. Mm. Why do you think the Romans are doing all this nonsense stuff? <laughs> Probably a way to control people, and especially to tax us as much as they can. Maybe they're not so sure of their conquests as they appear to be. Well, we certainly pay hard for the privilege of being a conquered people. I've never worked so hard in all my life. I feel like I don't even have time to eat, much less pay any attention to our children. Hey, hey, Judy, Judy, come over here. Look, look, do you see what I see? That man and his wife on the donkey. Oh, she doesn't look too sure of herself. Oh, oh, my word. I hope I'm not seeing what I'm seeing. And she's on a donkey? What is this man thinking? Oh, she's bouncing all over the place. And she's carrying that baby very low. It won't be very long before it arrives. Oh, the poor dears. I do hope they have a booking somewhere. Oh, sh- sh- they're coming to the door. I'll talk to them. Uh, good evening, sir. You're, you're kind of late in the day to find a room for the night. I hope you booked in advance. Oh, you didn't. It, is your wife okay? She looks uncomfortable. So, oh, she's just ready to give birth? I'm really sorry, sir. I'd love to help you, but we're as full as it gets. Without a booking, there's really nothing we can do. Everyone's packed into the town because of this census. We were already full by late morning. Really, I'm sorry, sir. Oh, no. This is awful. Look at her. If she lasts the night without going into labor, I will be really surprised. Larry, isn't this something we can do? I remember my pregnancies. At least I had a place I knew I was going to have my babies, and she doesn't even have that. And the chances of finding an available room are slim and none. Isn't there something we can do to help them? Well, Judy, we've got the barn. It's not much, but at least it is warm. Oh, 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 I think she's going into labor. Oh, quick, 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 no time to lose. Quick, take her to the barn. I will bring towels and hot water. I'm on it, I'm on it. they're, They're there, dear. Here, let me help you. Slowly now. Not not too far to go now. Quick. Oh, oh, her waters are broken. Oh. Sir, sir, you have to carry your wife. She cannot possibly walk. Martha, Martha, hot water. Now, Lydia, towels and clean linen. Shh, my dear. Shh, I will help you. That's it. Squeeze my hand. It won't be long. Sir, could you please hold her hand? I'll see how things are going. Martha, thank you for the water. Now, quickly, go for the midwife. Quickly now. Oh, dear. Oh, oh no. Oh, here oh, comes, here comes, here oh comes, look, comes. the baby. The baby. Oh, Ooh. what a beautiful little boy. Oh, my dear. Lie back now. I will wrap the child for you. There. I have put him in the manger. 
It's perfect size for a, a crib. Larry, can you find them some food? Maybe a little wine? Oh, but, Judy, there's a whole group of shepherds out here. They say they've come to see the baby. Something about angels singing in the sky? What a bunch of crazy people. Come, let's leave them some space. The poor woman must be absolutely exhausted. Look now, there's more folk. It's people with camels dressed like posh people. We can't have any more guests. We have no room in the inn. Um, uh, good evening, sir. I, I'm very sorry, but we're full. What's that? You, you mean you don't need a room? You've come to see the baby. How do you know? Oh, I, I give up. Yeah, yeah, around the back there in the barn. Come on, Judy, let's get out of here. There's just too many people time we turned in. Oh, what a day. Oh, but wasn't that amazing? Yeah. I have was. never seen a birthing quite like that before. The babe came out so easily without even a cry. And that poor woman, oh, she was just so peaceful. I've never seen anybody look like that after just giving birth. So serene. She seemed to be not at all surprised when all those people came to see the child. I didn't even want my mother around when Joseph was born. Do you remember? I really do. You didn't. Well, all that took place a couple of months back now. It was very exciting. Joseph and Mary, that was their names, named this special child Jesus, and on the eighth day had him circumcised according to our law. People started to leave once they had registered for the census, and we were able to finally put them in a room in our inn. They stayed with us until the 40 days of Mary's purification was over. They left for Jerusalem to present the baby to the priests at the synagogue. We never did see them again after they left, but I never could forget them. It was such an extraordinary time in our lives, and we were never quite the same after that. There was something about that little boy. I couldn't fathom it, but I noticed that we had changed. People were more important now. There was once even when we gave up our own room in order to ensure that we never again turned anybody away from our inn. This comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Larry and Judy Gentis using their imagination there. Here's Christine Getty with an Irish-sounding arrangement for Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to 
Christine Getty singing Charles Wesley's Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Let's see what David has for us next. Elaine Brown lives in Pitlochry and goes to Pitlochry Baptist Church. Elaine has chosen a Christmas poem about Jesus being born in a stable. Here are words which bring us to the Bethlehem stable. They've been written by Leslie Leyland Fields, who calls his poem, Let the Stable Still Astonish. Let the stable still astonish. Straw-dirt floor, dull eyes, dusty flanks of donkeys, oxen, crumbling crooked walls. No bed to carry that pain. And then the child rag-wrapped, laid to cry in a trough. Who would have chosen this? Who would have said, Yes, let the God of all the heavens and earth be born here in this place? Who but the same God who stands in the darker, fouler rooms of our hearts and says, Yes, let the God of heaven and earth be born here, in this place. Let the Stable Still Astonish by Leslie Leyland Fields. That was chosen and read for us by Elaine Brown. Music and the Pan Jam Steel Band are featured with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir with The Virgin Mary Had a Baby Boy. Yeah. 
the Mormon Tabernacle Choir and the Panjam Steel Band with The Virgin Mary Had a Baby Boy. Now it's back to David. The three vicars, Reverends Richard Coles, Kate Botley and Giles Fraser, talk about Christmas. This is part of a series where we shall hear one episode for each Sunday in Advent. I think my moment, it was, um, I was called out. The thing about Christmas is that for lots of people it's really, really tough because there are lots of bereavements at Christmas yes. because it's that time of year yes, and also yes, yes. But I was called out on Christmas Eve to the General Hospital and one of my parishioners had had a very, very premature baby. <laughs> Go on. I just can't, that's pathetic, isn't it? No, it's not. But um, went to baptise this tiny, tiny little baby just fighting for life. And she wasn't allowed to touch the baby, but she put her arm into the cot so the baby's foot rested against her vein so the pulse of her life (laughs) anyway he baptised the baby and he is now a bonny bonny boy and doing very very well but it was just so powerful so moving there is a thing when you do funerals at Christmas because there's quite a lot in the run up and then when people see the sort of general bonhomie as sort of being sort of insult to their grief so I've known people who've put up all the decorations and then you've gone in and they've torn them down. Oh. So you go in there to talk about, you know, somebody's loved one that's died. I have a specific thing in mind here. But in their grief, they torn all of them. They're only half torn down. It was just awful about that sort of disjunct between yeah. their pain and, 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 you know, what you wanted to say, this is part of... It's not grumpiness to talk about the, the problem with the sort of over-sentimentalised, because actually it's the people who walked in darkness that have seen, seen the great, great light. light. Yeah. And actually there are so many lights going on that you don't see the light. You know, I mean, I know that's a bit of a cliche, but it's to them that the message exists. Yeah. And yet they pulled down the decorations because they thought the message broadly conceived was a sort of insult to their grief. Have you ever had a punch-up at midnight mass in the back of... I've had lots of drunk people and not... And, you know, sometimes the vicar, to be fair. But um, <laughs> I think it's traditional, isn't it, that, you know, there's the, the pubs open their doors and the church opens their doors and that's what happens. But what the worst thing is, is that when you're looking after multiple churches, if you're in a rural context, sometimes people forget that you've got another church to go to because they're only in their little village. They invite you back for drinks after the carol service. Then they invite you back for drinks after the next carol service. And then you know you've got a midnight community. And then you over at various other things and then you've got your home visits as well that you've got to do so my top tip for any curates out there is organise taxis for Christmas Eve because by the time you get to midnight communion you need to keep that sermon short but but it's changed hasn't it because when the pubs stopped their closing time at sort of 11.30 or something they used to that was the point you used to get boozed up people coming out of the pub into the church because oh why don't we go to the church that was what they'd say after the pub but now the licensing laws allow the pubs to stay open later and later you get much less pissed people in church there's one way to combat that though not in finding serve drinks in church That's the way to combat it, have a sherry service. The rows over the mulled wine recipe are just, you know, the stuff of legend, aren't they? You know, and I do this every year, I do this every year, you know, and it it just, the fights in the kitchen between (laughs) Mother's Union members are just, you know, the number of times. Generosity, isn't it? Everyone's supposed to be being at their most generous. Yeah, yeah. So I remember a church warden, it was a nativity service for the toddler group. So the idea of getting the under threes to learn lines was just, it's ridiculous. 
just dress them up, parade them around. All anybody wants is just the photograph and a way in a manger. Let's just do that, then let's all get out of here alive. And I remember pulling up to church and standing in the car park of the church warden coming out and going, I won't go in there if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> And I went, is it that bad? And he went, yeah. It's not for the last to you, Vicky. Let's just take a little walk round, shall we? <laughs> so we did. We went for a little walk round. And we went in with about three minutes to spare. And it wasn't the kids. The kids were fine. They didn't mind what they were doing. It was the mums and the dads that were insistent their little sweetheart was going to get their moment I in the, in the starlight. I've really never had that. Richard Coles, Kate Bartley and Giles Fraser... And I would think their Christmases will be rather different this year, as indeed will ours. Hmm, and that's our programme once again. Uh, thank you for being with us. Our thanks too to those three Richard Coles, Kate Botley and Giles Fraser, and to Elaine Brown, Larry and Judy Gentis, Ernie Ray, Paula Stringer and Malcolm Gout, all for their contributions this morning. And our thanks too to Sam Ross for pulling it all together for us. Here's Icos with their version of For Unto Us a Child is Born. Thank you. 